Wow, thank you, Jesus. Everlasting Father, we thank you for another time to gather right here in your presence. We thank you, Father, because where two or more will gather in your name, there you are in the midst of us. We are confident that you are here and your presence is everything to us. Lord, we pray as we go into your word today that there will be light and illumination. There will be understanding and revelation in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Father. Have your way in this place, precious spirit of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, we may be seated. Glory to God. Wow, good morning, Ibadan Church. Good morning. So good morning to you. Can you give me a wave so I can be sure you are hearing me? God bless you. You are lifted in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we started off last week and um, we began to look into church management and, I mean, um, some form of church administration, maybe more, you know, of ministry, church ministry management, not core administration. Hallelujah. But um, today, we want to go on to look into financial management in church. But before we start, you know, last week, I tried to show us um, how a church hierarchy, you know, um, should be built, where I began to talk about, you know, um, the visionaire, the vision, you know, um, bearers, vision helpers, vision carriers, and what have you. I just want to say this to you that it is important for us to remember that the bearers, the carriers, the helpers, they are all going to emerge from the followers. You understand? Praise God. So it's going to be an emergence from the followers. Amen. And that's why you see when it comes to church administration, you are not um, too quick to put people into leadership. Praise God. Um, People would grow into leadership. Amen. Because they begin to bear their identity in the vision. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So that is very, very important. So you don't just say this person um, is a follower and you just look that. No, it's a follower that becomes, that realizes that, wow, this is okay. The place God has called me. Wow, this vision is actually what God will have me support. This vision, you understand what I mean? And gradually people begin to take their place in the vision. So the most sensitive group there is the followers. Hallelujah. You have to be uh, very, very deliberate about the membership. That's actually the membership. We just call them the followers. Glory to God. Very deliberate in raising men. And that's why any church that is not paying attention to ensuring that the people of God are growing uh, to a place where they can hear God by themselves and begin to discern God's will for them to take their place, you know, according to God's will, there are going to be challenges. Amen. So that is very important. I wanted to say that before I go on. All right, let's look into financial management. Now, the first thing I want us to realize is that finance, that money is a resource, okay? And you remember our definition of church management, it has to do with managing whole church resources. Glory to God. So that is why we have financial management. So I would rather want to call it financial resource management. Now, church, of course, have a financial part that must be properly managed because this 
are the precious sacrifices of God's people. Amen. Now, church money is not to be treated, is not to be treated like just any funds, any ordinary funds. Glory to God. And why is that? You see, people at the helm of affairs that have to do or deal with managing church finance must do it, you know, in understanding, in the fear of the Lord, understanding that this money we are talking about, yes, it belongs to church now because the people have given it. But the truth is that what you have in your hands is the sacrifices of God's people. Amen. And that's why it's very important to ensure the people managing church funds are givers themselves. Can you imagine someone who does not tithe in charge of church tithe? Amen. The person cannot appreciate the sacrifice that goes into tithe. Glory to God. So the first thing is that before people even qualify to handle church finance, they themselves must be givers in the church. Amen. I mean, I don't know if this has happened to you. In my work with God, there had been times that God laid demand on my finances and um, I, I found myself practically crying. Amen. Because at that time, it's like God is asking for my whole. Glory to God. You know, it's easy to say that, ah, yes, when God is asking a demand like that, a blessing is about to be here. But at that time, you are going through it. Ah. <laughs> and you think about the needs you have, and you are even thinking, how will I survive? Glory to God. And now in financial management, this is the money you are going to manage. You must recognize that is the sacrifice of God's people. Hallelujah. Imagine the widow's might. Amen. Imagine the widow's might. A widow, she did not have enough. All she had. So it's like you are managing precious blood. I don't know if you understand what I mean. And it has to be done in the fear of the Lord. It has to be done in understanding. And that's where, you know, a lot is happening with church finance all around the world that bothers me so much. That is it that we have lost consciousness of the fact that we must do this thing with the fear of God? Someone, you know, said something one day. So um, we wanted to buy a bus for church. So um, the people that handled that project, the head of the, of the group, there were just about three people. Of course, we had the money, all right, go and source for boss, let's see, and all that. So they got many options. Of course, we had to go and look at them and all that. So we were going to pay for the boss, and um, we paid. But the person that sold the boss, when he was to write the receipts, was asking our person that, um, how much do you want me to write in the receipt? Ah. You know, he said, what kind of question is that? <laughs> How much did you sell the boss? He said, ah, you mean you won't have your own? He said, had my own. To what? Do you know that this person dropped his pen and his paper? I said, sorry, which church is that? He said, all his life he has been sending, selling buses to church. He has not seen this before. It was shocked. It had to be reported to me. I'm like, that's what, that's how, um, what's the word now? How vain, how profane that people have handled church finances and the whole church need to repent. 
You want to buy something for church and you want to add your own. Who are you? What's your own? Amen. Is it not in the same scriptures that we heard of um, Obed-Odom that had the privilege to just undo the hack of the covenant for how many months? Three months before David ran to quickly take this thing. And just because of that, he was blessed. Where are we really? Are we really in a walk with God, or we are just, you know? And it's very critical because if we don't recognize what we are handling in church resources, you know, and handle it in the fear of God, Amen. And that's why I would say that any good church management system must never give room for embezzlement. Amen. Glory to God. You know, if you are still saying people embezzled government funds, public funds, it's bad enough. Okay, but I mean, but people's precious sacrifices. Hallelujah. And there is still a lot to do for church. And you, you know, say not me in Jesus' name. Glory to God. And that's where I love to start this teaching. That the money in church is the sacrifice of God's precious people. Now, this is why persons that manage church finance, I think I've said that, must not just be people that study the accountancy, but also must be a part of that house that understand the vision of the house and they are givers themselves. They have the fear of God in them. So let's quickly look into principles of financial management. Number one, proper financial management is channeling the finances of the church to promote run and facilitate the vision, the operations, and the expansion of the church for effectiveness. Never forget that. That's proper management. Okay, so proper financial management is channeling the finances, the resources, the finance, okay, of the church to promote, to run, to facilitate the vision and the operations of the church, the operations and the expansion of the church for effectiveness. That is the first principle. Amen. And it's also to perpetuate the vision of the church. You also use church money to perpetuate this vision. When you have a church vision and God wants to do something on heads, but it cannot last beyond one generation. What are we doing? Glory to God. Hallelujah. If it's a vision worthwhile, it should be something that our children and children's children, we are confident that if our children and children, no matter how perverse the world is, if our children and our children's children are born into this vision, they will be fine in life. Glory to God. So church finance must be channeled, you know, to help, you know, perpetuate this vision. Amen. Thank you, Father. Is very, very important. Church finance should never be towards personal gains. It must never be towards personal gains. It must not be for frivolous display or fleshly loss. Now, this does not erase the good and proper compensation of those that labor at the halter as pastors or as full-time staff. That does not erase it. There must be adequate compensation for those who labor at the altar, all right? And for those who have left everything to focus on ministry. 
they should be compensated very well. Because listen, this was one of the errors, you know, that also happened before where they feel that, okay, um, at least it's ministry you are doing. So because you are doing ministry, you should not be able to afford your own child's school fees. No. Hallelujah. Because that is what then begins to put financial pressure on people that now leads them to adding funds when they are sent to do things. So the church must also ensure that there is compensation, adequate, and I stress the word adequate compensation for those who labor at the altar. Glory to God. So if people are well compensated, you know, um, there you have no justification. Of course, there is really no justification. You have no, no basis to say you were even tempted to take something that is not yours. Amen. In fact, some countries particularly are interested in, you know, um, um, churches paying their pastors well. Yes, they ask you to submit. Yes, okay. Ensure they are well paid. Hallelujah. It's, it's, it's important. Because there was a mindset at some point that keep the pastor suffering. It will keep them holy. That's from the pit of hell. Glory to God. So there should be adequate compensation. Now, number two. Church must have its own accounts in the name of church. Church must have its own accounts in the name of the church. There must be no union between church accounts and pastor's accounts. Let pastor's account bear his personal name. Let staff members' account bear their personal name. Let church account be a church name. You see that? That's another principle you must know about management of church finance. Amen. And church are still under the same um, point. So in every point, I may raise many things. Just um, Church must also have a well-defined salary structure. You see that? A well, a proper salary structure. Such that um, it's not like um, this staff, I don't like his face. <laughs> Glory to God. It's 10K, 10K, I will give you Pamo. No, 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 no. Church must have a well-defined salary structure. Glory to God. That cuts across board. Of course, there can now be levels, you know, people can climb levels, attain promotion and all that. But it must be clear cut. Church money must be apart from pastor's money. When pastors are placed on salaries, it must be on a fixed, um, it, it must be on a fixed and well-defined pattern. Glory to God. That is well under, that can be understood. Now, this must be considerate so as to encourage the progress of the church. You don't pay pastor to the place where church cannot grow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So it must be, you know, a reasonable compensation um, based on the income of church. Glory to God. You cannot um, fabricate an amount. So pastor also knows that as church grows, as he's working and church is growing, finances is enlarging, yes, then we can begin to review, you know, um, the salary. But we cannot use all church funds to pay pastor salary or pay the salary of staff. Glory to God. Amen. So primarily church 
um, church money is to facilitate the vision and perpetuate it. Secondly, of course, to pay those who labor at the altar. Glory to God. Now, the third point. Financial management in church starts from collection to disbursement or spending. So the idea is that you must be able to identify and give names to all the sources of church income. Glory to God. And how each income is handled must be well defined. Hallelujah. By principle. Now, the church I am accustomed with, of course, I've been in many churches before um, the Lord said to start a work you know, alongside my husband in GLT. But I, I'm very conversant with GLT system. So I will use GLT as an example, okay? So for instance, if you look at um, at GLT, every income has a name. There is no modeled up income. We understand all church income, their names and their purpose is well-defined. By principle, glory to God, hallelujah, okay? How the money is handled is well-defined. You can imagine that collection of GLT funds is defined, how to collect it, glory to God. So starting from collection to banking to disbursements to everything must be well-defined, hallelujah. And all this thing, I mean, sources of income must be well-identified. I'll give you some examples of church income. For instance, we have tithes. Of course, we know that tithes is the 10% of the income, you know, that comes into the hands of a believer as personal income, 10%. Or a business venture, 10% of its profits, okay, an organization, 10%. But tight, God himself defined it, hallelujah, as 10%. And you know, the good news is that God has never revealed it. Glory to God, the tight. So we also have what we call the offerings. Now, this must be well-defined. Offerings is collected in church. You understand where we come, we don't come to God's presence empty-handed. So that which we give, we give offerings. Now, there are tens giving offerings. Glory to God. Okay, that's a different source of income. You try to identify everything. Maybe a wedding Thanksgiving, you know, or um, child dedication. You know, the money people give during child dedication, everything must be named, right nomenclature, and, you know, purpose well-defined. Glory to God. Okay, let me run because of time, because I want to give time for questions. I always have a lot of questions in this session. Amen. So, um, all these sources must be must be outlined. The modality for handling them must be well understood. Number, I do know the number now, the next number. Personnel selection must not be by mere qualification, all right? Personnel selection must not be by mere qualification, but we must put integrity, okay? We must put giving. The person gives himself or herself, and we must put spiritual maturity into consideration. Glory to God. Only people of integrity must be allowed around church money. 
only people of integrity must be allowed around church money. Now, throughout all the process of collection, collation, counting, banking, disbursement, okay, throughout all the process of handling church funds, men of questionable character must be kept at bay. Amen. Very, very important. You know, um, I'll tell you a story that um, I once heard where a man and his wife collaborated. They were once in offering. So when they are collecting offering, they bring out their own baskets to glory to God. And people give into the baskets and they go and pour it in their car. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you wonder, you hear these things, they are saddening that, are, they, are, we, are these Christians? Of course, are, are these Christians? Praise God. So it tells you that even the process of collection, there must be principles to it that, you know, erases um, stealing. Any church management that is not careful to ensure that people's money are not being stolen, their sacrifices are not being stolen, while giving it to church is not a good management system. People can't give and somebody packs the envelopes home to be, say, to be spending. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay? So please, that's another principle. Never forget that. Number four. The law of unilateral principle of purpose. The law of unilateral principle of purpose. This means that money in church must be spent on the project it is meant for. Hallelujah. Money in church should be spent on the project that it is meant for. Now, in church finance, never turn stones to bread. For example, funds or seeds received for air conditioners must be used to buy air conditioners. It must be used for the same purpose. The people of God cannot give into air condition systems and you come and say, hey, sorry, so um, brother so-so-so was in need. We had to gather the money and, you know, use it to support him to travel out. Ah, <laughs> Glory to God. When There must be integrity. Amen. When we are raising money to do tiling of church, tiling of church should be done with the money. No... Um, you know, turning stones to bread. I like to put it that way. Glory to God. Amen. Okay. So there must be financial integrity on the path of the management. Now, church finances must be handled by faith. And that's why people who handle church finances must be men of faith, women of faith. Glory to God. In fact, one of the greatest places, you know, being privileged to handle church finances. I, I don't handle money. You can't see church money in my hands. But at least I, I have the privilege to, you know, see what is happening and ensure things are done properly, you know, like an oversight. Um, one of the things that I have seen is that the greatest place you need faith is in church finance. Amen. Now, do you know if the managers of church money are not people of faith, it's going to affect the growth of the church? Glory to God. It's very key. There must be people of faith. They must be able to, by faith, get things done. Because that's our life in Christ. 
So church finances must be handled by faith. The principle of faith in handling church finance will mean that prayers must be made for the increase in church finances. When we do this, we are actually praying for the people, the givers. In other words, people who have been given financially to church in tithes, in offering. So when you are crying for financial increase in church, you are crying for the increase of the members. Glory to God. Amen and amen. Now the principle of savings. That's the next point. In church finance, financial management, we don't, you must not spend it all. There must be savings, no matter what. There must be savings. Church must save. Don't spend it all. God doesn't reason that way. Hallelujah. You know, when there was going to be crisis in Egypt and the king had the dream and he was looking for someone who could give interpretation of the dream and God, you know, was going to give Joseph a wisdom to solve that problem. The wisdom he gave Joseph was the wisdom of savings. The power of savings is enormous. I will not forget. Let me give you an instance, you know, um, just just about a year or two before we were privileged to buy campground, um, pastor had an encounter. So he called for the financial committee of CEC and said to us, um, let's start saving. Let's start saving. And um, okay, so the OCC met and the financial policy for that year, a number of people, and that's why in church, there are things that if you don't understand, why not be patient? Glory to God. That particular year, a larger chunk, or don't let me say larger, a large chunk of GLT finances went into savings. Glory to God. You see that? Every extension was saving. We were just saving. We had local savings extensions locally were saving we had central savings the glt nation as a whole we were saving did little did we know that just a year or two down the line god was going to bring us a campground hallelujah of course what we saved was not um, enough to buy the campground but it was enough to let us know that it's a project we can take by faith starting from zero level for instance you come across a, a property as a church or 50 million naira, and you don't have one naira. You see that? Or you come across a property of 50 million naira, and church needs this property, and church has saved 25 million. Is that a good place to start? You see that? And thank God, you know, the instruction came supernaturally, and we began to save. Little did we know. And today, glory to God, GLT has a campground. Hallelujah. Amen. So very important, the church must be given to savings. The next thing, the church must be claimed before the law of the land. The church must be claimed before the law of the land. Pay staff taxes, have pension schemes for church staff, organize trainings for church staff. All these things are very, very key. Glory to God. The church must be found to be clean before the law. Now, churches don't tax, okay? But um, staff members in church will tax. People who receive income from church will tax. So as an organization, the church must ensure that um, the federal government is not coming to close down the church for not saying to him that their staff members are paying their taxes. We must be responsible before the law. Hallelujah. Now, 
Church principles must be clear from the foundation as touching borrowing. Amen. For instance, in GLT, we don't borrow. Glory to God. We don't borrow. Now, some other churches, they do. There is no condemnation. Hallelujah. But everybody's instructions from God has to be clear. And, you know, um, this, this must be clear from the foundation. In this church, we will be borrowing. This must be clear because the temptations will come. Glory to God. And if you know you are a church with such an instruction not to borrow, it puts pressure on your faith. Use your faith to produce results. Hallelujah. Okay, so let me stop here. I'm not training you to be financial managers in that sense. It's just for you to have an idea. Amen. Okay, so let's look at financial management systems or policies. Amen. So the first I will talk about is what we call centralized financial management system. Centralized. Now, this becomes um, relevant in churches that have branches. You see that? Okay, churches that have branches. And um, even if they have branches, it depends on the kind of churches that they have. All right, let me give you different structures in churches. For instance, there are churches that are that are centrally led, like GLT is a centrally led church. Glory to God. There are churches that um, all their branches have their autonomy. So they just bear the name. It's not like they have anything passing to do with the head in that sense, in that sense that there is nothing called hallelujah. So there is nothing called, but every church, you know, has its autonomy. Amen. There are churches like that. There are churches that there are franchise. Amen. Where people take from a pastor will say, okay, I want to bear the name of this church, but is a church that I will be the pastor. Some churches practice it, but not in GLT. Hallelujah. So our own principles are well-defined, but there are different systems. There are sovereign churches, you know, so there are different types. So um, the financial structure that will be run by any church will definitely depend on the type of church that it is. Amen. Another thing that will also determine is, for instance, if it's a missionary church. So when you say a church is a missionary church, you must be sure that a lot of their funds is being pumped into missions. Okay? So it depends on the type of the church. But let me quickly define this particular um, type of financial management. So when you say centralized financial management, what it means is that... um, the money comes to the central post, and from the central post, it is disbursed. Please, do you understand that? Okay, from the so it comes together, and then from there, it is disbursed. The name just spells it out. Now, so the second one is the decentralized financial management. Decentralized financial management. So, in decentralized financial management structure, what happens is that everybody you know, and those, the funds are collected locally, they, they stay locally, but they now send a percentage up. Do you understand that? So it's like the control is in the local churches. Amen. Now, both of them have their, their advantages and they have their disadvantages. Glory to God. Now, if you look at um, the centralized financial management, one of the things centralized financial management does is that it reduces the 
um, the possibility of embezzlement. Glory to God. It reduces it drastically. Amen. Because their church funds can be um, can be managed, can be you know overseen in that sense. When money stays locally, um, it has its own advantage. Money is readily available to spend. When money stays, that's the decentralized. Money is readily available. They can quickly use money to witness. Okay. So, um, but in centralized, money is not readily available. Money goes through approval. Amen. And it is when it is approved that the money can then be available. But for the decentralized, you know, money is available at every local extension. Glory to God. Now, um, don't zero any. Both have their very strong advantages, of course, and limitations. And they are both to be looked into. Now, for instance, in GLT, we do both. Amen. We do both centralized, we do decentralized. So there are some church funds that are decentralized. There are ch- some church funds that are centralized. Glory to God. Okay, so that um, you can s- try to solve the challenge of one with another. Hallelujah. But generally, um, generally, there is a kind of balance if you look at it. So um, let me stop here because of questions. There's a lot to say. But like I said, I'm not raising you to be financial managers in that sense. Okay. Um, I would have loved to use GLT for, I mean, a, to use GLT as an example. But uh, I, I do that in School of Global Missions, not in School of Ministry. School of Ministry is just to give you, you know, an idea that, okay, so church financial management, glory to God. So I think um, I've been able to, many things to touch, but I want you to ask questions. And I have just about 25 minutes left. Amen. So some of your questions will make me talk about some things, and I will if you ask me. So let's go on. Do you have questions for me? So if there's any question, you know, that's had been on your hearts, you can go ahead and, and ask about church financial management. Yes, glory to God. Any questions? Any questions? Any questions? Feel free. You can ask any questions. Glory to God. Yeah, feel free. I said feel free. So any questions? You can write it in a note and send it to be read. Those online, please, if you have any questions on church financial management, I would have loved to do some more teaching, but I always like that there is question and answer session in church finance because people have a lot of questions about church finance. And the truth is when these things are not well understood is the reason many people take offense or what they should not even take offense on. Because when you don't understand the thing, okay, you may be quick to want to condemn it. I always prefer that you seek understanding first. Praise God. So um, if there is any system of church finance, it may be in GLT, it may not be in GLT, you know, it may just be something you've noticed around. Yes, please feel free to ask anybody. 
Hallelujah. Okay, please. Thank you. Please celebrate. I have someone here. All the extensions don't have. This set is very unique. Uh -uh. You don't have questions for me. Last year, by the time I got to this point, well, maybe I took them more things. Ah, I had over 20 hands lifted up, glory to God, with questions for me. And I really did enjoy it. You know, it is good. Yes, Ma, your question. Okay. Um, thank you so much, Ma. Thank you so much, Mommy, for the teaching. My name is Nkiro Konko. Um, the, I have two questions. The first okay. question has to do with um, when you were talking about the church has to be clean before the law of the land. Okay. Um, I'm just looking at it, not necessarily about GLT. I'm just um, asking generally, is it okay for the church to declare, you know, what comes in publicly? You know, it, it's a church allowed to have their funds out there in the public, like maybe an audited account or something of that sort. That's one. Um, then secondly, I wanted a little more clarity about naming of offerings. Um, okay. I'd written here like reference to the Leviticus, but I don't know if you can expand more on that. Okay. About naming of offerings and how um, the disbursement is done. Thank you okay. very much. All right. Thank you so much for that question. Now, praise God. Um, well, to answer the question on can should church make their funds public? All right. Really, if everybody, okay, in church and in the world were matured, there's nothing wrong with making church you know, um, finances public. Do you understand that? But having said that, not everybody is on the same level of maturity. Now, some churches practiced it um, in U.S. for some time, but rather than helping church, it was affecting church. It was killing church. People had access to information they didn't need, and some began to feel like the church was getting too wealthy. And um, some began to feel like church must be controlled. So it has led to a number of things that will not help us, even as the church. Glory to God. Now come down to the church in Nigeria. There was a time that Redeemed Christian Church tried to do open declaration. The result was not good. They had to stop. So it just tells you that people are not matured for some of those information. Because people feel like, hey, me, I cannot even buy... Um, myself breakfast and church is having something something you know and um, number one the people in the world that know nothing about church church and how church is run they would run their mouth and say things unthinkable glory to God and the people in church who are also not matured I mean some of these things affect them some stop tightening some stop, you know, so a lot of things that will become more terrible. Do you understand that? But having said that, um, every church must be transparent in finances. So this is the deal. Number one, we must see to it that church has external auditors that come in to edit, I mean, to audit church accounts and, you know, declare the church clean or if there's anything, they should raise it, okay? And this can be done, you know, amongst um, the leadership, the declaration, the announcements, and all that. It should be clear among the entire leadership. Glory to God. The principles should be clear. And if church members have, 
you know, places where they are not clear. They should be free to ask questions. Glory to God. So there could be a committee that people could ask questions. It's just that, for instance, in GLT, we have such a committee, but um, maybe it's not known or people don't just make use of it. I don't know. So, but those things are clear. So did I answer that question? All right. Thank you very much. And the church finance must be so available that if the government is asking for it, they must have access to it. And that's why the auditors should come in, you know, and prepare proper papers. So, for instance, in GLT, we have both internal audits and um, external audits once in three years. Okay. So, um, we do that and we thank God. Okay. So, basically, then your second question was about... Um, Okay, defining offerings. Uh, what I mean is define all church income. For instance, there is church offering, which is different from Thanksgiving offering, which is different from people's vows. Some people just come and say, I made a vow to the Lord. Okay, what was this vow? Was it to buy something? He says, no, I just made a vow. You must be able to name it and put it in a category. Then there are some people that come that say, I made a vow to buy the house of God, a television. Uh-huh. You see, that is named. So that money is for what? Television. That television must be bought. Do you, do you understand what I mean? So basically, you must be able to identify all church income. There is no big bit handling, I mean, in naming church income. It must be clear. When we say this, this is what it means. Okay? For instance, when pastor is ministering, okay, or pastors are ministering GLT, you see people come forward to drop you know, offering. That offering has a name. And it's at the way it is handled. You know, well defined. Glory to God. So that is it. Yeah. Ah. Sorry, extensions, any questions for me? Okay, all right. Let's go. I'll, I'll come back here so that I'm not just here and others are not... Um, Okay, well, thank you so very much, Ma. We have this question from Ikeja. Okay. Uh, the person said, is church permitted to run business or investment at the local level? Okay. Uh, for example, maybe uh, a CAC church or a GLT Ikeja owning and running a school not connected to the central church. Okay, so the answer will be depends on the vision of the church. The vision will define. If the vision gives room for that, why not? If the vision does not give room for that, then it can't. Praise God. So that becomes something that is vision defined. Okay, so if vision gives room for it, yes. If not, no. Praise God. But let me answer this question generally. Can churches invest you know, yes, there's nothing wrong with church, you know, going into investments. Um, part of it was the reason you see many church, I mean, many churches in U.S., you will have Methodist Hospital, praise God. So they go into investments, and many of these investments that churches go into are usually investments that are not taxed in that sense, so that they can be in the same category like education, like health and all that. So, but the most important thing about church investment, and that's what every government wants to ensure, is that the proceeds, the profit, goes back into running church, not running personal um, people. Praise God. So, and um, some churches have started venturing into taxable um, 
investment. So all they need to do, of course, the, the, the constitution of the church would have permitted that, that they will be able to, you know, invest into so, 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 okay? So all they need to do is to register like a, um, what's a subsidiary kind of, okay, um, of the church in the name of a business, in a business name, and um, run business under that. So that will be taxed, okay? Then the proceeds will come back into church. Praise God. So, church is coming. Uh, mommy, we have a lot of questions online anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting it. You know, the people here in Lekki, yeah, so, um, yeah, all right. Okay, man, this person says, I run a ministry, not okay. a church. Okay. And when people come to bring tithe to my ministry or to meet to me, I don't accept such tithes. Okay. I tell them to give it to their local churches. Okay. Please, ma, is this wrong? Or okay. am I supposed to receive tithe from them, ma? Okay. All right. Thank you very much for that question. Now, where should people tithe? People should tithe in their church. The house where they are being fed from, that's where their tithe should go into. Glory to God. Okay, so what you're doing is right. What you're doing is correct because you are not a church. You are a ministry. So ministry runs on partnership funds. Hallelujah. People partner with you. Ministry runs on um, free donations. You know, people giving. Then maybe you had a program. You had an offering raised. Your ministry can run on those kind of funds, praise God, but not on tithes. Now, this is um, one of the places where people have to be careful because sometimes maybe the ministry has a project and there's a lot of temptation. Those times you should understand that is your test. Amen. Is the test of the ministry. Will you take it? And you know, it's not a situation maybe, maybe someone just paid tithes and you didn't know it was tight. So, of course, some figures should bother you to call that. Please, um, we need to clarify this income. Is it a donation or, oh, is my tithe? Oh, sir, you don't tithe into a ministry. Which church do you attend? You know, you can help put the person straight. But someone tells you that I want to pay my tithe and the tithe is 10 million naira. Ha. Glory to God. And you've been believing God that the ministry will start handling funds in millions. Is your test... Because when the tithe of somebody was um, 5,000, you were able to direct the person to church. When the person's tithe was um, 10,000, you were able to direct the person to church. Now the tithe is 10 million naira. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. But my prayer is that ministries will pass in the time of their test in Jesus' name. Amen. And the funny thing is that the person who is watching is God. That singular thing might disqualify your ministry from some things if you are not careful, all right? Except there is um, true repentance and um, such things, you open up and confess it. Don't just think you repent, you know, in the secret of your corner, okay? You must have, like, an oversight over that ministry. You must open such a thing up and the person helps you through um, repentance and recovery process, Thank you. Okay, mommy. Thank okay. you so very much, ma. We have um, questions from Ife. Okay. Yes, ma. They would love to take the question live. Um, Ife Center, please. Are we are we ready? Yeah, GLT Ife. I'm all here. 
I'm waiting for the question. Okay. Uh, maybe while they... Okay, while they are getting ready. Yes, one. Um, another question here says, how best can the church determine how much to pay ministers like pastors? Should okay. it be a certain percentage or fixed? Should it be a certain percentage or fixed? Well, it depends on the church and its policies. Praise God. Amen. Okay. It depends on the church and its policies. Um Okay, I don't want to use GLC as an example, but some churches run, you know, salary structure that is clear quotes and, you know, all that. And in addition to that, the pastor receives maybe some form of honorarium. Praise God. Okay, the honorarium can now reflect the blessing of the growth of church. Do you understand what I mean? Okay, but the salary is, is, is salary, is a salary structure so that you are not going up and down with salary. Glory to God. The structure of the salary is clear-cut and um, it's, it's well-defined. But the pastor can get some form of honorarium, hallelujah, in addition to his salary. Um, that could be a token percentage of the income, something that as the church grows under him, his soul can appreciate growth and bless church. Hallelujah. Okay, his soul can appreciate that. Oh, thank God this work is growing and bless church. It's possible. Amen. So different churches run different um, principles, but I will advise that church salary structure should be clear. Amen. It shouldn't be based on, you know, this and this and this. Of course, um, the pastor's salary can then be reviewed according to principle, but um, there could be an additional honorarium something. Because it is also good that when a man is laboring and there is increase, his soul should know it. It's terrible for you to be pastored by a man who is grumbling within. A man who feels, um, how do I put it, is, is, not, is not well compensated for his labor. It's not a blessing for any church. Praise God. The soul of the pastor must be able to bless, you know, the church. Glory to God. Okay. I believe I've answered that question. Ife, are you ready for me? Ife is center. Please, are you ready? Ife is center is not... Are they behind? Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. Can I see the face? Yes, I can hear you now, but can I see the face of the person speaking, please? Stay in front of the camera. Thank you. Sorry, I can hear you, but I cannot make... You know, I can't put together what you're saying. It's a little muffled together. If a center, I cannot hear you clearly. If a center, I cannot hear you clearly. 
Ife Center, please, can you type the question and send through your liaison officer? Please type the question and send it to us, please. I cannot hear you clearly. Thank you. Um, mommy, this is another question. Do I have any question here? Okay. Oh, we've not heard your voice before. Yes. <laughs> Give it my turn. Thank Good you. morning, ma'am. Thank Good you very morning. much. Um, so uh, the question I have is about um, prioritizing the needs in the church. Okay. So we have the income and then we want to disperse. How do we know, okay, do we need a jet? Do, do we, we need, need ACs? Do we okay. need a bus? Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for that question. Um, I was waiting to see if anybody would ask me. Now, one of the greatest challenges with church and church finance is that there is usually too, there are usually too many things to do with money. Hallelujah. And if the, I mean, the management, the people managing church finance are not careful, okay? You know, you can imagine, um, there is a need in church right now. Um, we don't have something. We want to buy maybe a keyboard. And um, what determines the limit of the keyboard you can buy? Keyboard ranges from maybe, um, Pastor Pels helped me, maybe from 100,000 to 5 million, you know, or maybe 10 million. There are keyboards that are that expensive. So, and the church has, let's say, 2 million in its accounts. Okay, do you take this old two million to go and buy um, a keyboard? Because you have a key, you need a keyboard, and you know you have to be top notch. You must keep <laughs> a pace with what is happening in other churches. These are the kind of challenges that churches are faced with. But let me say this: wisdom is profitable to direct. There are very many things that can be done with church finances. I will give you GLT as an example. I told you GLT is the church I know. So GLT spends money by what we call annual policy. Amen. And um, the annual policy comes from the CEC and it changes every year based on the priority of the church for every year. Okay. So we spend money based on what we call policy. Now, what is the policy? The policy is the percentages that give direction to how money is spent. For instance, we say of all GLT funds, 10% is our tight. Okay, let's take offering, for instance. All right. 10% um, of offering is tight of offering. Okay. Now, um, so, so, so percent must go into programs. You see that? So, so, so percent must go into maintenance. So that, you know, you must not be a church that you don't pay attention to maintaining your, you know, um, gadgets, you assets and all that. So, so, so percent go into maintenance. So, so, so percent go into membership care, care of our members when they are in need. Because a member can come and present a need of one million naira and church has two million. And the person is really in need. Oh, hey, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Do you take one million out of church funds to help one person out of a thousand, you know? So these are things that so church care, this percentage um, we are the financial people now. Help me with your breakdown. Are you not in finance? No, you are not. Who is in finance here? Where is, where is, there's nobody in finance here. Hey, yeah. 
Okay, no, I mean church finance in GLC. That know how we break down these things. Okay, I'm trying to just remember. Okay, there's membership care. A percentage goes to non-membership. A percentage goes to um, utilities. No, 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 we don't have a percentage for utility. So a percentage goes to what we call spendable. Spendable is the money we use to run church day to day. So that's where utility is underspendable but a percentage goes to spendable a percentage so it's in percentages so for instance so a percentage goes to maybe projects in that sense we want to do a project okay so oh we want to do so 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 projects you are not thinking on how much does the church have the question is what how much is in project accounts you see that Oh, a church member has a need. Blah, 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 blah. How much is in what? Church membership care accounts. Glory to God. Now, so that's for a church like GLT. Amen. I'm just giving you an example. Other churches use different principles. Amen. It depends on... I want to try to stay in front of the camera. But okay. So other churches use different um, systems. It depends on the church you attend. But, I mean, that's how GLT, you know, disburses money. And the policy comes from central. So the treasurers, every church has its own treasurers. They are aware of this. Hallelujah. And they disburse. So if the treasurer wants to do something, she knows the accounts to look into. We want to have a program. How much is in what? Programs account. We can use all church funds to plan a program. Okay? We also have policies such as salaries. A particular percentage of our income goes to pay salaries. And that's the percentage we have to pay salaries of everybody. So it's not like, uh, ah, now church income is now um, two million every month. Ah, my salary should increase though. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing like that. It's a policy. It's a percentage of the income that pays everybody's salary. You see that? So things like that will help church finance. You really want to know about church finance. <laughs> okay. Yes, sir. Thank you so very much. We have questions from uh, Ibado. Uh, Ibado, in e-center, please. Um, are you ready for us, Ibado? Ibado, yes. I'm excited the question is coming from you. Ikeja. Ikeja people are not asking me questions. I don't know. Oh, they have questions. I'm happy to hear that. All right, Ibadan, let's go. Ibadan, e-center, please. I didn't hear that question. What's happening today? I'm sorry, I cannot hear you. Is Pastor Pels around? I can't, I can't hear you. I can't even hear you, you know, at all. Well, I think we have some typed questions from. So let's here. let's let's read the type. Okay. Sorry, Dave. Can you type your question and send it? 
because I cannot hear you. I can see your beautiful face. I was looking forward to hearing your beautiful voice, but now I can't. So just type the question and send it. God bless you. Okay. I think the first question has been answered. Okay. The person asked, is the church finance audited? Are the auditors from the church? I think you mentioned... We have both internal and external auditors. Yeah. The, the second question from me, by the way, is, is it proper for pastors to be in charge in charge of church funds? Oh, that's what is very proper. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Praise God. That was just a joke. <laughs> okay. So is it proper for... Ch- pastors to be in charge of church funds. Yes, there is nothing wrong with pastors being in charge of church funds because um, number one, you know, I, I don't know if you get what is happening. Church administration is changing. This is not the system that was run when I was in CAC that there were elders and the elders took the decision of no, Maybe you've not gotten what we are describing. There is now proper church administration. Glory to God. And church finance now does not hand in the land in the hands of a group of elders that say, Pastor didn't preach well last week. We reduce, no. I said he should not be talking about fornication again. And he spoke about it. Pay him half this month. No. There is nothing like that anymore, all right? So church, there is proper church administration now. That's why we are studying it as a topic. So church as administrators and managers, they have finance um, departments in that sense, okay? Of course, it's going to be controlled. So if you look at it, when you ask, is it right that pastors handle finance? There is nothing wrong with it. We are not against pastors handling finance, but it doesn't mean that it's only pastors, that can undo finance. Glory to God. For instance, if you look at the GLT church, um, there are treasurers in all the churches. No treasurer is a pastor. And they are the ones that basically handles, you know, the offerings of the church. Glory to God. And they are not pastors. Okay? Church has a finance department now in GLT. We have a chartered accountant on board. Praise God. Who is working with church. She is not a pastor as at yet, but she can become a pastor, you know, as she works with God. So I don't want you to be, um, to have anything against pastors. Pastors will share. <laughs> Praise God. So for instance, the person you are looking at today that, okay, this person is not a pastor. She, the person is handling church finance can become a pastor tomorrow. Should not remove the person from what the person can do. Do you understand? What we want to ensure with church finance is this. Number one that church money is spent for church purpose, for the right purpose. Glory to God. Number two, that there is accountability, you know, and um, there is no embezzlement of money, which auditors will set in to do. Glory to God. And church money should not be available. You know, someone said something one time that um, in GLT, money is not available. And I had said available for what? Is money meeting his needs? Yes, it is. Well, available for what? Because you see, um, there are some people in church that have a mindset that money should be available for people to be sharing. And I'm wondering where that mindset is from. Sincerely, glory to God. Church money, no matter how much it is, is not personal money. Amen. It's meant for the work of the ministry. Maybe a ministry that does not have vision and what to do. We say this money is so much. I don't know how much I want to call so much right now. 
in besides what is on ground in the table that we are confessing every day, praying every day, hallelujah, to buy um, property for all extensions in GLT. <laughs> you know, you understand? We are thinking of going global because God said to go global. Do you know how much wants to sponsor that? Praise God. So I feel it is where the vision is not big enough that money looks big. There are visions that you have 10 billion, you are still joking. It does not do anything. Praise God. But someone can hear that 10 billion and almost collapse. Praise God. You understand what I mean? Church, relax, calm down. Amen. So don't be, I, I don't want us to be believers that have things against pastors. No, don't do that. Hallelujah. Have some pastors done some wrong things? Yes, they have. Have some church members done wrong things? Yes, they have. It only shows the human side of people. And all these things must be put in a way that they can be. There's such a thing as church discipline. Amen. We should not look away from it. They can be brought to book clearly and it can be dealt with. Amen. We should love our pastors There is nothing that says that pastors should not handle church finance. And there is nothing that says that people that are not pastors should not handle church finance. I've told you the qualification for handling church money. I said what? Huh? The person must be spiritually matured. The person must be a giver. The person must have integrity. So those are the things that qualify one, but you don't want to put a babe near church money. Please don't forget that. Hallelujah. All right. Any other question? Yes, sir. Good morning, sir. My name is Alabadi. Thank you for asking me another question today. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, I have a question about tax. But okay. you, you've already mentioned, you've already said something about it. I, I just, uh, you can just help with more clarification. Okay. Um, it's muted around here and there, Ma, that the church in Nigeria doesn't pay tax. The church in most and nations then, in the world don't pay tax. Okay. But that, that's now the, okay, you've answered the question partly again. And that um, churches in the West, that US and Europe, they pay tax. So they don't pay tax. Oh, now I, I understand it. So I, I want to understand, um, Ma, that how has the church been able to hold this ground that the, the government doesn't, you know, come and insist on taking that, on taking tax? Okay, so um, under the law, well, there are differences because I've been privileged to handle the law in about three countries right now. Um, God is just expanding our frontier, frontiers. Glory to God. So I've, I've looked into the laws of Nigeria as touching church and all that. I've looked into that of United States of America and um, that of Ghana. By God's grace, I look forward to being exposed to more, you know, um, laws and of nations. Glory to God. Okay, so you find something very, very common. Churches are registered. It's actually how the churches are registered. Now, churches can be taxed if they want to. There is nothing that says that the church should not be taxed. So it's going to depend on the kind of registration that they do. But religious bodies, so the churches are categorized as religious bodies. Religious bodies are generally, you know, categorized under um, 
non-profit organizations, glory to God, not for profits. U.S., we say not for profit organizations, okay? So they register under non-for-profit organizations, praise God, like an NGO, okay? And NGOs don't tax. So because they are not built up, they are not raised for profit making. And that's why the, the government is very particular to see that it's not that someone is using church money to, you know, um, enrich himself. Praise God. Because it now becomes a crime. You are evading tax, getting richer. And um, <laughs> you understand in the name of the religious body. So they want to ensure that. Now, if you look at it, there was this karma law. I don't want to go into that. You're not administrators. <laughs> okay. That was brought out. It was last year. Okay. It cost a lot of, um, you know, um, it cost the churches here and there. And not just churches, non, I mean, NGOs generally. But a number of church people don't know what is going on. Hallelujah. And sometimes it bothers me. And that's why it's the mouth of the first person you hear it. You just take the person's opinion and say it's true. Why can't this, this, ah, at least understand what is going on. Amen. But well, my teaching is not including that. When I teach an SOGM level, I do all that. So I'm inviting you to come and do SOGM. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Okay, so there is a lot that goes on with the laws and all that. But honestly, I found that of US, funny enough, very beautiful. I, I, I love it. Yeah, you know, and Nigeria is coming up. Praise God. Yeah, praise God. So, yes, sir. Okay, mommy, thank you so very much, man. We have quite a number of questions from Ife. I'll just take a few of them. This person says, as a business person, and you happen to want to buy a property on behalf of church, Okay. And the church is asking, yeah, they, they are, they're asking price from, from the church. The proposal is about three times less than the market value. What should this person do as a believer, knowing that he too must make profit from, well, like I'm helping church to buy a property. I want to make profit. Church offer is way less than the market value. How can I balance it to make profit? Uh, I don't get that picture free. Are you the seller? Or you are the agents. It's looking like agents. Like agent. All right, praise God. So it has to be clear. Number one, um, when church wants to do anything and you are called on as a member of the same church, okay, to come and assist in doing it, it's not in your place to charge. It's like it's your project. Do you understand that? You are not making profit from such. Now, if church came to meet you as an estate manager, you understand what I mean? Like, that's what you do for a living. And they say, we want your organization to help us undo this project. Now, it has changed. Do you, you understand? Okay. So you understand that, okay, it's my organization. And if your organization is going to be involved, of course, your staff members will be involved and all that. And they will be paid salary at the end of the month, true or false. Okay. So there can be some profit, but because you know, it is church now as a Christian. So that's where it comes in. As a Christian, you know that, okay, this is church. This is the work of God. There are some things that you can, um, you can wave off as your own contribution 
to what you know the church is doing but it's left to your discretion you see that as long as they came to meet you as a business person but in church we just said okay we want to get a land um mr a mr b mr c now we're going to put you in charge please Let's look around. Let's ensure we get a land. Now, for the three people to now sit down and say, Lola Mafisi, there's trouble. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? But if it were giving you as an organization to do, oh, why not? Is that what you do? That's where you make a living. Glory to God. So that's just the way it is. I, I hope I answered that question. All right. But maybe the church just called you because they know that's what you are doing. That Can you do this for church? And you say, oh, why not? Why not? And you are a member of that church. Then they didn't come to meet you. I don't, please, am I, am I, is my point clear? Okay. So they came to meet you as a family member that has understanding in that area so that they will not be duped. It's not you now that we have to eat. They came to meet you. They want you to use your, you know, your prowess, your knowledge to help church not to fall into the hands of wrong people. So you do it. We have lawyers in this church that do things for church without collecting a dime. We have architects in church that do things for church without collecting a dime. And, you know, some people wonder that why is it these people? And because they don't collect a dime. Hallelujah. Praise God. And we know that this is what they do. You know, I've had something that happened one time. Um, a church wanted to do a project and it was going to be a big project. About four people in church became that kind of business line. What are we doing? That's not what you do normally. And four people in the church were fighting to get the... They don't, nobody knows that they do that on a normal day. But the moment they had... Church wants to do this. They just became professionals in that field all of a sudden. So you know that what's leading you? What's, what's this thing? This greed, this covetousness. You see that? Praise God. Thank you very much, Mommy. This very, very um, beautiful question from Ile Ifema. Okay. It says, Mr. Jude wanted to pay a tithe of 10,000 naira. Wow, I love that question. And mistakenly transferred 100,000 naira. Okay. How will the church manage such a situation? Oh, wow. We've had that happen, you know, a number of times. Okay. So, Mr. Jude, get ready for more Mr. Jude questions. You know... I love Mr. Jude wanting to pay 10000 but he paid 100000 hmm. You know, you're just sounding like you're throwing my question back at me. <laughs> All right, so let me answer it. Yes, we've had um, that kind of scenario again and again in GLT. Now, as long as, of course, you are a part of the church. So what you do is you inform your treasurer, Okay. You inform your treasurer and um, you give a witness, maybe um, the account statement, but the text message that was sent to you, something like that. So you give her a witness um, and write an official. We tell you to write an in GLT. I know there are people here who are not GLT. In GLT, she would ask you to write an official letter. Okay. So immediately you write the official letter. The official letter is forwarded immediately to the central. Do you understand that? 
And um, the first thing is that it's done in levels. So don't expect that that day they will be able to revert the money. That's the thing. You see people, are, you have to send it now. There is no gonna. You can't even do that, uh, you know, except if it's offering, it's at extension level. Here, You can go and talk to your local pastor in, in GLT. So the first thing that happens is that it goes to the accounts department. They verify your claim. We can't just do it that you said so, even if you are the most trusted member in church, okay? So they verify that claim. They see that the money has entered into the accounts. All right. So they will now write, you know, a very small internal memo, okay? And move it to the arm of the church that can actually sign out money. So it's not the arm of the church that, but this is not the same arm that said these things are divided to ensure that, I mean, no process is broken. So once that gets there and they can see the signature of the accounts department that they have verified it, then the reversal will be done. So we usually see that reversal, expect your reversal in between one to two weeks, you will get a reversal max. Sometimes we do it in three days, in five days, but you can imagine telling um, your treasurer on the Monday to do some. Nobody has, even accounts can't sit down and start reconciling anything. You understand? So that's why we say give a maximum period of one to two weeks. Praise God. So it depends on what is in the hands of the um, accounts department at that time. But they are strongly determinant of when the money will come back. But definitely you will get your money back. And what will you get back? You are going to get your 100000 back. That's what we do in GLT. So if you know you want to tight, we won't say, ah, your tight is 10, your, this one is 90. No, 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 we don't do calculation for anybody. You'll get your 100,000 back. So if you now want to tight, you now tight your 10,000. So we just reverse the money. That's what we do, basically. Thank you very much. I hope I answered that question. All right. I, I think we still have someone on site that has a question. Okay, so let's take an on-site question. I've not heard any question from Ikeja Center. Did I hear any question from yeah, Ikeja? Yes, yes, mommy. We've taken one. Oh, okay. Ikeja, but we have another one here. Oh, all right. Let me take on-site here in Lekki. Yes, thank you. Good morning, mommy. Good morning. Thank you so God bless you. Um, okay, so I would like um, clarification on... Okay, so I would like to paint a picture. Let's, you, you mentioned that um, the church can invest. Oh, yeah. So i just thinking of a scenario whereby the church wants to build a hospital or even maybe a school and then calls for seats, like in the church. Okay. And then um, so people gave. And so the church built the school or a hospital. Okay. And then the say tuition, for instance. Okay. Um well, is on the high side. Okay. And then an average member of the church is not able to to pay um, the tuition yes, of the school. Pay the tuition for her child and then so how how do we balance How that? Do you balance that? Okay, so your balance sheet is already, um, it has a wrong content already. So let me help you to balance that. No church invests with people's seeds. Like we want to build a church, everybody bring money. No. Church goes into investments when they have funds that they want to multiply. Do you understand that? They feel that these funds, instead of church just spending it, why not put it into a venture that can keep giving church money so that we don't put pressure 
on, you know, church members. Every time we want to buy um, a property for an extension, for instance. Do you understand what I'm saying? So no church, no church um, invests collecting a seed. Everybody come, we'll give a seed. We want to start in there. No, 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 no. But um, if you've seen such a church, I don't know, but it's not what is supposed to be done. You don't collect money for people to, do you understand that? It's from maybe the savings of church over years, they have saved. And now with the savings, the church has raised maybe um, two million naira, for instance. And they say this two million naira, what can church put it in that it keeps bringing money back to church? If it is only salaries, that one can help us to be paying. You understand is something, something like that. That's church investment. Yes. So if we substitute that um, information correctly, okay? All right. So um, I want to personally believe that churches do things by their visions. Amen. Now, if the vision of the church had been to have a school that is affordable, you know, for people to attend, do you understand what I'm saying? Then why not? Glory to God. Build a school that is affordable. That was what led to many of us. How many people attended um, a Catholic school here? Wave your hands. Okay. How many people attended Methodist school? All right. I mean, you know, so those, those are the kind of things that led to such schools. And you will see that many of them at some point, of course, the government took them over at some point and they were not paying. And many even started not paying. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you will understand that over time, quality begins to go down because let's say the truth. Free things may not be sustainable. That's just the truth. Amen. Okay, but leave that aside. So if the vision of the church had been to create, to, to start a standard school, do you understand what I'm saying? This nation lacks a standard school and we want to start something standard where our children can go to and they can stay at par, even with people who studied in, in UK, in US. Ah, people will pay for that. Oh. So what the church can now do is to subsidize the rate for its own stewards or, you know, something like that. There can be subsidy. But they won't, because of that, go to destroy the vision they had abination. Please, do you understand what I'm saying? I believe I answered that question. Thank you. Yes, mommy. Thank you so very much, ma. Uh, for time, for time, I, I think I should just take the question from Ikeja. Okay. Yes, ma. Um, it is somehow along the line of something that you just mentioned now. And the question is, when a church wants to embark on a project okay and fundraising is initiated okay is it appropriate that a church calls a particular amount to be dropped by members more like uh putting a levy on okay you pay so 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 you pay so 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 that uh, that's that's the question uh well such things there is no there is no rule in the sense that what if God said to them, see, we shouldn't remove the G factor when we are talking about church finance. What if the instruction, you know, came that tell my people to give in millions and I will bless them. Even God has defined that one. The minimum is how much? One million. 
Do you, do you understand? So don't let us get into that. Of course, I know, see, there is nothing that is right that cannot be abused. That's the truth. Okay? And we shouldn't get into extreme reactions because there is abuse or something. We should stop it entirely. It's possible that God says, okay, let my people give. So, but what is not right is for church to begin to tax people in a way that they are no longer giving cheerfully. It has become a tax that is against scriptures. Even in the wilderness, when God called for offering, okay, people gave their gold, their silver. It was free will offering. So we must not, re- we must not remove that. You understand? And there was a time, you know, that um, David called for an offering. That he was calling for. He mentioned this. So there are scriptural examples to these things. It's possible. So it depends on, and that's why we should allow the spirit of God have, I mean, free course in our midst. Amen. There is nothing wrong about it as long as it is not abused. Praise God. Thank you, mommy. One last one. This is general. This is like a general question. It's not related to church finance. Okay. But I think this person would just love um, you to answer this question. Okay. She says, um, is it possible for God to give someone's husband a ministry and later the wife says God is calling her to another ministry to start a different church? The husband has a ministry and the wife is saying God has called her to start a different work. Thank you. Okay. Um, I'm smiling because this was one of the things that we tried to address and refine, you know, some weeks ago. Um, Once a woman is a pastor's wife, there is a calling on her already. And that's why I refine platform that being a pastor's wife should not be an ambition. It's actually a calling. Amen. And when you are called to be a pastor's wife, you are called into a form of placement ministry. You've been placed. And that place where you sit, you cannot go against your husband's ministry. You cannot, for instance, your husband, you know, um, has been privileged of God to start a church. You can't be attending another church. Your place is in that ministry, supporting that work. Praise God. So this issue usually comes up when a ministry gift marries a ministry gift. Okay? And when you have such, what will resolve it is understanding. Praise God. The woman must, you know, submit to her husband and the husband must also acknowledge that my wife is called and she has a place in this calling. So one of the things that breeds things like that is offenses. I'm not allowed to find expression. I'm just sitting down here. Me too, I have a destiny to fulfill. (laughs) You know, when those feelings start coming in year one, year two, year three, at a point she's going to shut down from that church. Everything pastor, her husband is saying, will not bless her anymore. And of course, the moment she's not being blessed, the enemy will seek to be the one and will start ministering to her. Praise God. But it's not scriptural. Already that is fundamentally against marriage. 
It's fundamental. Your husband is running a church here. You are running your own church there. This is fundamentally against marriage because there is no way there will not be conflict of interest at one point or another. And the body of Christ cannot be divided against itself. Hallelujah. So basically, let me just put it that way. When a woman is called to, you know, um, support a man in the work of the ministry, then she is a support there. If she is a ministry gift, her expressions will be inside that um, assignment. Glory to God. Amen. All right. Yes, one more question here, and I'm okay. out of your faces. Thank you. I hope you were blessed. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much, Mommy. My name is Olamide. Thank you, Olamide. Okay, so the question is similar to that of Mr. Jude. But I was thinking in a scenario where, for example, you wanted to, a seed was raised in church. Okay. And um, there was a particular uh, account to make payments to, and you mistakenly transferred to a wrong account. Okay. How would that be handled by church? Thank by you. church. Okay, so are you asking me for GLT church now? Because that's many <laughs> okay, churches. Yes. Yes, for GLT church. <laughs> okay, for GLT church, because that's what I know about. All right, um, two things are likely to happen. If you label that seed correctly, okay, because we have a finance department that goes through accounts monthly, they are likely to locate it, and it will be raised and transferred to the right account. Do you understand that? Or it will be modeled up where you paid it. Yeah, the, those are the two possibilities. And that's why, you know, when we are raising seed, we try to emphasize the account to pay it to. This is the account to pay it to. Please pay it to this account, you know. So those are the two possibilities. Praise God. You understand? Except you now raise it that, um, ah, please, oh, I paid this seed into a wrong account. Then the accountants can go and look for it, ask for your date and all that, and trace it and make it right. Do you understand? When the situation where you paid it, you were not even conscious you were paying into a wrong account. And one, maybe you didn't even label it well. Uh, that one has entered into that. There's nothing anybody can do about it. Praise God. Okay, but if you labeled it correctly, okay, there are two possibilities. It's possible that... Um, the accountants will locate it and we, sometimes we have to reconcile accounts that way. Amen. All right. Thank you very much for the privilege of standing before you and speaking on church finance. I believe you were blessed. God bless you. Bye-bye. Can we stand and celebrate God's servant? Come on, Ifa, Ibada, Ikeja, can you be half standing as we celebrate God's servant?